Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week it's it's Big Dinosaurs Week. It's a Big Dinosaur Week. It's your week specifically. We watched Jurassic Park. Right. The original from 1993. Based on the novel by Ni- Michael Crichton and directed by one Stefan Spielberg. And we will speak about it after I ask you this question. fancy French directors. Yes. <laughs> How was your week? My week was actually fairly good. I I I um I had a good week. My weekend was lonely and sad because you were not here. Yeah. But I did have a very good time. I went with some friends to the Oakland Museum. Museum. And was able to. It was very strange because it was such an old man thing to do. I think. I don't think so. Show these kids around the museum, but they really appreciated it. The Oakland Museum is a really lovely place. It is a very cool museum. It's also, what I like about it, the history. There's three floors. There's natural history, history, and art. And the history floor does not shy away from how really complicated and terrible California history is. Uh, and anybody who's done any research into it or knows it, yes, history Yeah, they've is. done big exhibitions on the interments and, right. yeah. And and uh, I think one of the things I was fond of that I pointed out to one of the guests that I was with on, on Friday night was uh, the first part of the Hall of History is um, has a caption printed on the wall saying, before the other people came. So that's just about the most Indian thing you can say. <laughs> Yeah, before those guys showed up, this is what it was like. And it, there's all sorts of recorded, uh, both not in indigenous languages and in English, mm-hmm. encounters between the Spanish and the original inhabitants of the country, and then moves with how quickly it just got absorbed into the United States during a land grab. And it's, it's a yeah. very interesting place. So I did that. And also Saturday, I went with our roommate and saw... Uh, our good friend Liza Fernihow. Liza, no, F E R N E Y H U G H. Liza Fernihow. She's a famous children's book she's author and illustrator now. And she wrote a, a lovely book about her relationship with her two. Um, Nina, Nana, and Nick. Yes. <laughs> so it, it's a really lovely book for anybody who wants. I'll it. link it in the show notes. Right, it's who so wants good. A children's book, and she's, she's a amazing. Person. She's the best. She's also one of the best people you'll ever meet. Yes, she is. She's um, like um, she's like sunshine walking around down with us. Yes. How was your week? It was good. I I missed Liza, and I missed the museum. But I did play some games, and I did go wine tasting, and I did go to a really good concert. Oh, good. So, you know, it evens out. <laughs> what was the wine tasting? <laughs> wine tasting was at a place called Clareborn and Churchill, and I got their house flight. Mm. And it was, they give you one glass, and there's wine in it. It's a Riesling. And then they give you a flight of little shots so you can pour your own. Right. That's how they do them post-COVID. It's pretty cute. And it was a beautiful ombre from a from a white to a rosé to two reds. Mm. Very beautiful. Uh, so we did that and then um, went to a concert on, with, of Tchaikovsky on Saturday. Oh, we played board wonderful. games. Ate some ice cream. It was a good time. Mm. Frozen Butterfinger. Hurt my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> um, got mildly food poisoned, but, you know, I, I bounced back. 
these trips are taking a toll on me, though. I had to pull over and take an hour-long nap. Oh, wow. While I was coming back, because I was, like, nodding off on the freeway, which, pro tip, don't. So I pulled over in Soledad, where it was not happening, and I went to sleep. You promised to keep safe. I did keep safe Uh. by pulling over and taking a nap. Instead of trying to push through, falling asleep on the road, and getting in an accident and dying. Mm. And probably hurting somebody else. That's what I... I don't... Think you, I care less about me, but uh, more about everybody else about on the road. You. All right. You want to talk about Jurassic Park? Let's I talk about Jurassic Park. I do want to talk about Jurassic Park. Did you see Jurassic Park the day that it came out no, in the theater? Absolutely not, because... Um, that makes no sense. You were 23 years old. You abs- Or 24 years old. You absolutely could have. Right. This movie came out June... 11th, 1993. Right. You were a grown person. You could have gone to the movies. (laughs) Why didn't you see it? I did not see it until it was released on VHS, I think. Have you ever seen this movie in the theater? No, I have not. I've seen the Jurassic World films in the theater. If Jurassic Park comes to AMC, like for a, what would it be now, 30th anniversary? 93, 03, once. It'd be a 30th anniversary. Right. We should go. Yes. Because I bet it's awesome on the big screen. I'm pretty sure I saw it on the big screen. I don't remember, though. (laughs) I don't remember if I did or not. So why didn't you get to go see it in the movie? You love love dinosaurs. Well, I know, but it was was still part of... It's a long story. When was the first time you went to the movies? uh, Was... Was it with me? <laughs> like the first time I ever well, I went to the movies with you regularly. I think is the first. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, we used to go all the time because we right. lived very close, and then we had the the AMC thing that um, that lets you uh, go every week right. for the price of like you pay for a ticket for the month, and you can go like three times a week. So we were going every Saturday for a while. I think that. Um, the first time I went to the movies was probably uh, before my son was born, or my child was born, uh, years and years ago. So yeah, it was around then that I started going to the movies. Before so like that. in your 30s? Yes. Wow. Yeah. You went to film school and you loved dinosaurs. You should have gone to see this movie when it came I out, and a, I'm sad that you didn't get to. relationship with this story, though, overall, because... Um, I was working at the time at uh, Holmes Book Company in Oakland, and I had already become a manager there. Okay. And uh, part of the great fun part about that was getting all the weird publisher swag they sent you. Okay. And one of the things they sent me was a proof for Jurassic Park. Okay. And so I set it aside because I really wanted to read it. Uh Uh-huh. And then as it turns out, um, two of my coworkers who were locked in this perpetual struggle to get all the new stuff to try to add to their collections, one of them took it and hid it somewhere on the property, and I found it months and months and months later, and it had been water stained. And the, the, the and the book was already out by right, then. I'm that sure that person's already been fired by then because he was doing things like that. Oh, um, but yeah, one, it, there was two uh, employees that we had that were just sort of stuck in this. Um, Hunting through the uh, the entire store, it was a huge bookstore. It was really effectively four stories, um, and so they took it right out of the the my desk, right off of my desk, and they were you know 
taking it for their collection. This is the same kind of galley copy that apparently Steven Spielberg read. Right. Because it wasn't even published when he began making right. his plans. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So have you read it now? Oh, I read it. Um, read it. After the book came out, I read it. And I don't know where my original copy is. I read uh, it too. I read it... Um, I'm trying to think. The book... When did the book come out? Um, book came out in 1990. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I read it in uh, my eighth grade science class. Uh-huh. Like, it was one of the books we had to read. Wow. Then I think I had to read the sequel, too, which was not very good. And, yeah. the, and the movie sequel... Also not very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very the book is very different than the movie. Yes, it is. Um, I'd like to state for the record uh, that I do not stand with Michael Crichton. <laughs> I find him to be an abhorrent human being, but a decent writer of story, <laughs> not of He's, book. <laughs> we discussed this last night. He's not a. There are no passages I will sit and quote from him. Yeah. No. I, it's not one of those. He's writers. not an inspiring writer right. where you get lost in the prose. No, he's not. But he's a good storyteller, right? And he's proficient at writing. Like I it's don't... not his writing isn't bad enough where you're like I can't even right. get into this. You know, the the what is it? Uh, God, uh, the hunk... I compare him to the experience that I have of reading um, the Da Vinci Code. Right. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know about Da Vinci. Code I know you. Yeah. I know, but. That that author is also not a good writer, and I read The Da Vinci Code in eight hours. I just read it from cover to cover in an eight-hour span. Right. Um, so I also, the story hooked me enough and pulled me through enough that I didn't even get hung up on the terrible writing. And then when I went to read his the previous book, I was like, oh, no, I can't with this. Well, what I was going to say is that when I worked at a Holmes Book Company, mm-hmm. where this had, um, well... We had uh, a English teacher there who actually used to read passages from authors aloud, and he was—he actually I learned he was, a good deal was from. Was he a current English teacher or like English a retired English was, teacher? No, he was waiting. Uh, he was between jobs, and he wanted okay. to be an English professor again. But he was an English teacher who he would read loud passages of popular books and point out to me, it's like, you know, Charles Dickens, when he was writing, but, he would roam around London, apparently, reciting his prose to try to understand how it felt coming out of his mouth because he, he had stunted ambitions as an actor. Right. And so he would also give public lectures where he would read his prose aloud. Right. And so he Which had Which is great... interesting because mm. prose doesn't need to work aloud. It does more and more because mm-hmm. more and more um, audiobooks are becoming right. de rigueur to any publication. But, like, when I'm writing something that's going to be read out loud or, like, heard, mm-hmm. my writing style is different than the writing style I would do just for straight prose. Mm. So that's interesting that he was like, no, 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 same, same, right. same. Has he, to be he would do that, and that's probably why you can still quote passages of his uh, of his dialogue and all. And so, what this guy well, dialogue out to me, for sure, right? But also, you got to make sure that the thing the that somebody says was, is something that somebody would say. It was also say. part of a tradition where people read each other's stories or that's read true. loud. That is true. You know? I mean, especially I mean things like 
certainly things like Christmas Carol, which is, mm-hmm. I believe, designed to be read at Christmas, right. read aloud by the, the, the patriarch of the family to right. the family at Christmas, right? That's one thing. But, like, Great Expectations is a different thing, you know. <laughs> but when he read, uh, so the, the, this uh, particular friend of mine, he read um, Tom Clancy. Mm. And it was just at times, and I'm sorry that offend some people in the audience, it was laughably bad. But it's it, that's the thing. You're not reading it out loud. You right. are reading it on a plane, and you're reading it for the plot. Right. So it doesn't have to be good. And yeah. it's it, there are people who can again. There are storytellers, and there are writers, and you can have somebody who can tell a hell of a story. I, when you sit and analyze the plot of any of Edgar Rice Burroughs stories, you're what the hell is he talking about? Yeah. But at the same time, when you're reading them, yeah. Again, I sat there on a train reading Tarzan of the Apes. And I missed two stops because I was so involved with all the Gross nonsense. Whatever was like, going oh, wait on. Yeah. a second. I stopped yeah. his two back. So I think Michael Crichton certainly qualified as that. He has almost like, um, at times it felt like he was writing for uh, an entertainment magazine or something because mm-hmm. it's all written in this sort of uh, the style. I can't, I'm not sure exactly how to describe it. Of one of my coworkers described it as sassy. Like, I don't know what that means necessarily, but... I would have to say that's kind of accurate. It's very much attention-grabbing words and words buzzwords, a lot of it. Buzzwords, a lot of it. And even when it doesn't make any sense, they're almost like... I'm listening to a podcast right now um, called Death in Cryptoland. Mm-hmm. Crypto, for me, is very much like that, where I'm like, these are children making mm-hmm. up stories and mm-hmm. telling each other stories. But the language that they're using is just financial buzzwords right. that like that what they're saying is nothing because what they're selling is nothing they're making it up as they go along and i just love like i keep hearing on all of these things like oh yeah the banks uh put a hold on all of the things so it takes like six months to get your money back out that's just the way crypto is and i'm like that's fucked up like why do you not understand that that's not okay you know you go ahead and get rich six people and then everybody else can get Get can get fucked. I guess that's that's what we're doing here. Sure, good 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 luck and God bless. But it feels like um, Burroughs does bu- buzzwords, but like entertainment buzzwords, mm-hmm. like oh, or a- adventure mean, uh, buzzwords. No, no, no. Yeah, Burroughs. Right. I, yeah. I was specifically talking about Burroughs. Crichton is telling a real hard science fiction story, and this is something... and, it, and it's legitimate. Like I think right. his science is his science fiction. Is very good. Uh-huh. Should he have ever gone in front of Congress and discussed climate change? No, the no he shouldn't the, have. The scientists, <laughs> this is something that as we move into an age where people are creating a big dividing line between ideas and ideas that can be supported by science, I want to remind people that science scientists are just as prejudiced about particular things as other people, and they have their own blind spots. Of course they are. Um, that I think that as a as a person who understood fairly early on, um, oddly enough, from somebody who's going to have an elliptical uh, contribution to this podcast tonight, um, there's a difference between science fiction writers and people who write science fiction for money. I know that sounds really weird, but there were writers, for instance, who contributed to the science fiction boom in the 40s and the 50s 
Um, and they essentially had no science background. Right. You can tell. They're they are of, fiction writers who are dabbling with science. Right. And then there are science people and who are dabbling case, in he fiction. Has a serious medical background. And yes. so some of his other science fiction, like The Terminal Men, about uh, finding a way of connecting directly to the human brain through a machine and having a, a, a person whose uh, motivations are connected to electrical impulses that are then like puppeteered. Okay. That was. Sounds like Robin Cook, So who also right. had an MD. Um, that was more this, but this was, but he takes the he takes the easy route like it, like here's here's the thing about Michael Crichton he has a he has an MD mm-hmm. right he has a science background he has a science mind rather than researching and doing the work to do this he mm-hmm. just writes down what if like it's like having a hypothesis and never having to test it right. and you still get published <laughs> it feels a little like cheating. As a scientist, like, you, I, I don't think you get to call yourself a scientist. You just have to call yourself an author at this point because you're not a scientist because you cheated. <laughs> you got published without doing any tests, no um, experiments at all. You just were like, this is a thing that could happen. Yeah, I think the book also, I think, took longer to get to... Because I think the, the film works better as a film. Uh, you couldn't have adapted the book directly because then no, be, and that's fine. And the book is, the book is much, a book, and this is a but film. it's very much like a seventies thriller in which there's two dozen characters, and we're constantly doing asides. Yeah, and the characters uh, aren't particularly engaging, and they did a better job of that in the film than they did. Uh, As it is, also, uh-huh. I have some quick quibbles, and I understand that everything happens this weekend because mm-hmm. this is the weekend the movie is set. Right, but I'm pretty sure that. As bad and money motivated, as bad of a dude as Nedry is, and as mm-hmm. money motivated as he is, I'm pretty sure he would have said, "You're gonna wait a weekend to get these embryos because the grandkids are here, and the and the inspectors are here. I'm not okay. doing this this weekend." We should but... probably get to the <laughs> so right? yeah, let's get. It. Y'all have seen this movie, right? Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen this movie, you should go watch this. movie. You really should. It's a fun movie. Though I will say, you can't find it on a streaming service. We had to. We bought it. I bought it on Amazon, so now we own it. But um, weirdly, uh, you cannot find this movie currently. Uh, I was told it was all on HBO Max, but that was a horrible lie. Uh, so we start. Well, we start with a scene that actually doesn't have anything to do with the whole rest of the movie, other than the nervous insurance dude. Who's a lawyer, not an insurance mm-hmm. dude, it turns out. Um, so, right at the beginning, there's a, a handler in the rain with a bunch of other handlers, and there's an animal that they're wrangling. You don't see what it is. Um, and there is a death. There is a, a death in a jungle. Mm-hmm. That's what you see. It's raining, and there's a death. And then there's a scene of a nervous man in a suit who goes to visit, uh, what's his name? Uh, who is the, the, the actor at the beginning who's not in the whole rest of the movie? And I was like, what's happening? Like, he's a real dude. But he's looking, he's, he's out looking for amber um, deposits because... Sometimes there are mosquitoes in amber, it turns right. out. 
So we get this weird interstitial of, oh, you'll never get him, and then we go to him. Uh, so we meet our first of two heroes. Actually, we meet kind of both of them at the same time. Yeah. And that is Laura Dern and Sam Neill as Alan Grant and Ellie Sadler, who are a paleontologist and a paleobotanist who are in a relationship uh, and on a dig site where they find the most perfect specimens of entire raptors perfectly formed. And you were like, that's not how it happens. (laughs) I should warn everyone listening to the podcast today that I love dinosaurs and therefore there will be painful moments uh, that will probably be excised from tonight's podcast of me going on about dinosaurs. No, it's fine. But we said we talked about like normally you find find a jawbone and maybe a a claw, but like whole rib cages that's pulverized. Um, You can find hip bones because that's a chunky thing, maybe a femur, but like smaller bones gone. Any plant, any any wet matter gone. So no DNA. Right, that's right. the thing. No no dinosaur DNA in fossils typically. But they're in um, the Badlands, in the middle of the country, uh, and they're doing a dig and they're finding several perfect specimens of raptors. Also, we find out here that Sam Neill um, is not machine compatible. Whenever he touches a computer, even in 1993 computer it like goes on the fritz so because he's a man of the earth uh and then suddenly upon this dig comes a helicopter and in that helicopter is john hammond played by richard attenborough who's very good in this and should have gotten an academy award nomination for best supporting actor but definitely didn't and uh, he basically says hey um I've got this project that I'm working on, and I need you to sign off on it. It's a it's an amusement now, park. He funds their dig currently. He currently funds. Well, thing. he's currently giving them fifty thousand right. um, dollars, and he says, "I need you to come and sign off. If you guys are good, I need your expertise. If you guys are good, the insurance people will be good, and the lawyers will be good, and everything will be good." And they're like, "What? We need to be here. What do you need us for? Like." What are you talking about? And he's like, I will fund you for the next three years. And they were like, sold and done. Done, done, and sold. Let's drink that champagne and do a little dance. And so, without knowing what they're doing, they fly down to... um, Isla Nubar. Isla Nubar. Nubar. But it's off the coast of what? Costa Rica? Uh Or Mexico. (laughs) There's Mexican music playing in the background. It's very... We also, at this point, Mm -hmm. have a scene with Dennis Nedry, Mm -hmm. who is the head of the computer, uh, uh, like the the lead computer engineer at the park, who has made a deal to sell embryos to some competitor, mm-hmm. unknown, in a Barbasol shaving cream can that has 36 hours of refrigerant. And he's going to get something like $750,000 and then 5000 per additional complete embryo 
or 10,000. It brings him up to $1.5 million. And I will say this. In this movie, all the way through, I haven't seen Dominion, but all the way through the second Jurassic World movie, which I did see, they undervalue these animals constantly. Uh, an interesting fact is that the one of the art directors actually was looking for a way to get the creatures, at least the genetic information, off the island, and he went to a, a Long's Drugs near his house and saw a Barbasol can. That's funny. And he said that was what he thought of. It's like it's metallic. It the the design of a Barbasol can, which is the shaving cream I use. Yeah. It was. It's the it design before. of any can, but Barbasol has been a, around for a very long time. Right, it has a, a barber's pole on it, which yes. I think is what got his attention. So immediately he just bought a Barbasol can. That is an actual can, not one that was designed for the film. There was no, no product placement in it at all that was involved. They and just they cut around from, the outside right. and then built the thing. It's cool, and it does mm-hmm. spray actual shaving cream. The the idea here being that Nedry, which. Nedry, nerd, ah, ha, 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 ha. I get it. Um, Who's played by Newman from... Right, Seinfeld. Seinfeld, sorry. He has a real name. I'll Wayne figure Knight. It. Wayne Knight, that's right. Uh, Who I bet is a really nice guy. I'm sure he's a really he nice guy. He always plays a fucking asshole. But I think... But he's in a lot of stuff, so that makes me think that people like working with they him. They also... And this is something that made me a little bit uncomfortable. There's a couple of things, like the fact that we were never sure. We're somewhere south of the border. We're told we're off the coast of Costa Rica, but it could be... People were watching the subtitles for that scene. Yeah. And it said Mexican music, although it was mariachi that was right. playing. So like, well, it was, that's Mexican well, I mean, music. Okay, I guess it's big in Costa Rica, too. But it was very, it was very much kind of like... Um, the tropical south. Right. There we go. <laughs> and then the characters often, some of them are really well written, and then some of them are just like this man's name is Nedry, which yeah, Dennis Nedry, which is just nerd. They padded him out to look even larger than Wayne Knight actually is. Did they? Yes, I thought they might have, especially in mm-hmm. this scene. Right, he looks way bigger than I remember right. him being. He's, yeah, he's almost pyramidal. Pyramidal, I guess. I, yeah. Because he moves pretty good right. in the scene when he's moving. Right. And I was like, he seemed too big to be moving like that. But but it just seemed like, okay, yeah, this is this is a cheap shot. But then again, so is the, the big game this hunter is, and this some is of the other characters. Mid, this is the exact point, too. Oh, maybe that's why you didn't see this movie. Of Steven Spielberg's career that you're uh, not a fan of. The right. midpoint of his career where he thinks he's hot shit. Yeah. Regardless of what's that was, going on. That was uh, part of the reason, too. It's like, oh, God, not now. Because, I, I, again, there was so little time on characterization. So if you're an actor like um, like Laura Dern yeah. or Sam Neill, they were able to invest their character with little things. Laura Dern made me cry. Really? When she, when the Triceratops, when they came to the sick Triceratops, mm. I fucking teared up because of her reactions right. to it. I was like, she's a really good actress. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they... Yes. So... Um, industrial espionage. There's some industrial espionage. She says, you're going to, in, in, in one day, or with $1 million, you're going to um, catch up on 10 years of research. I'm like, 10 years seems like not enough. Right. That also seems like... About $10 but, million dollars okay. in a year. I don't know. Um, and so then we have 
everybody arriving. So the insurance guy or the the insurance lawyer mm-hmm. who is there really on behalf of the investors. Right. Because Hammond has a lot of money, but he doesn't have this much money to buy a whole ass island and then, you know, come up with all the dinosaurs. He brings a mathematician, chaos, chaosician. Gesundheit. Yes. Malcolm, Ian Malcolm, played fantastically by Jeff Goldblum. Half sh- shirtless, half the movie. So fucking great. Only in Michael Crichton's brain is there such a thing as a rock star mathematician. Because that was the thing. That was the argument was Hammond doesn't want just Ian Malcolm there because he's too much of a rock star. He's too much of a famo. And I'm like, he's a mathematician in 1993 before Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, we've got a Neil deGrasse Tyson. We've got that... Um, that astronaut that um, everybody loves and is very famous, Chris something. But in 1993, there was no famous rock star mathematicians, Michael mm. Crichton. That's not a thing. <laughs> so you th- you liked uh, you liked Jeff Goldblum's. Performance. I love Jeff Goldblum's okay. performance. It's ridiculous though. That does that doesn't exist. Well, it's but what, I'm a fan of it. I was it. the impression the character was meant to be English, which the name would suggest. Sure. There's some scenes in this film where I think the actors are able to pull off little bits of characterization. Yeah. And I mentioned that Sam Neill, they're, they're flying into Isla Nublar. Yeah. Nublar, that's hard to say. Nublar. Uh, Nublar, Nublar, Isla Nublar. Well, never mind, I'm not going to put on the accent. You were saying. Uh, in a helicopter, and yeah. they're experiencing turbulence. Yes. And... Whereas everyone else is hanging on and trying to find a way of, of buckling their seatbelts, uh, Neil's character can't get the seatbelt to work, so he just ties two of the belts. Yeah, together. and Hammond goes, "You won't, you won't get the the mechanism to work before we land." Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, he just ties it. And I think that was one of the. There's a couple of scenes in here where that little bit of characterization mm. really figures into it because also in the first two scenes yeah. we see a lot of grab ass between right. Laura Dern and Sam Neill not like in a gross way no. but in a way where they're clearly they physically like comfortable with each other yeah have been together for a long time because that's yeah. the kind of thing you do it's like you pat each other on the butt you yeah. smile an awful lot they're yeah constantly joking because uh, Neil Sam Neill's character does not want children. Laura Dern's character is curious about having kids, right? And so that's the that's when the kids later on come in for. There's nothing yeah. in the film that's unexpected, really. No, no, it's pretty by the numbers, right? The characters are the yeah. the, the scenes themselves. Like, as you see them, you're like, well, this dude ain't gonna make it to the end. That right. dude ain't gonna make it to the end. I was hoping. Sam Jackson would make it to the end, but right. spoiler alert. Oh, there's Sam Neill had a very funny comment. It's like, oh, you know Sam Jackson's not going to make it to the end because he smokes a cigar or oh. cigarette. Oh, it's like, that was the this rule. is the time in, right. the, in the, okay, when they're switching. Dad, you're smoking, you're going to die. Interesting. Well, meanwhile, we just saw Bullet where McQueen yeah. is smoking constantly. Um, so we've got Grant and Sadler, Ellie and Alan, mm-hmm. and we've got Ian Malcolm. As the people who are need to sign off on the fact that this place is safe and everything is fine, even though this place is not safe and everything is not fine. No. Uh, all right. So they still don't know what 
what's happening, though. Yeah. So they're driving from where they land across this big field, and um, they stop, and Alan sees... Alan and Alan and Ian are in the back, and they see something, right. and you see the shock on their faces. And Ellie is looking at this leaf, and she's like, this is such and such, and it's been extinct for da 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 And then <laughs> Alan grabs her head and turns it, and then they are all looking at a brachiosaur. Right. A 30-foot 30 tall, 30, the 40, 30-foot neck. Uh-huh. So, yeah, probably right. 45 feet tall. Somewhere around there, yeah. Uh, Brachiosaur. And Alan gets out and, like, walks alongside it. I'm like, that will squish you, so well, he, please be I careful. Also, I also yes. don't know how close we are. He knows better because um, these are so... Yeah, but you don't want to stand too close. That's true. You don't want to stand too close to They're a buffalo. They're constantly saying things about behavior, and I'm like, you don't right. know you have conjecture on how these things and and constantly they're like they do they do um travel in herds and things like this cuz we're seeing them do mm-hmm. those things so they're getting um reinforcement of some of their ideas and how right. they how these animals behave but these are animals i would also i would also want i also wonder how long does it take that dinosaur to reach that size I would guess something like fifty years. Right. That. So if we've been doing this for fifty years, so much years. of what happens in the film, it's like even from the very beginning, Velociraptors, the the ones that we find on yeah, Alan, the, the Velociraptors are like the size of a chicken, like real. Well, they're not quite the size of a chicken. They're they're bigger, like oh, a like turkey. a pheasant or turkey. Okay. Right. So they can be big, and if you've ever been but surrounded not by six feet turkeys tall. while you're hiking, no. Um, that's they're like Utah. The, the, right. the, the Velociraptors in this are more like Utah Utah raptors, raptors are more like a Deinonychus, which okay. is another sickle. But there's a whole breed of dinosaurs that have the sickle the toe sickle thing. The sickle toe, okay. Um, but uh, the Velociraptors aren't in Montana. They're one of the... They're Asian dinosaurs. They get, oh, right. They're found in Mongolia. Yeah. And so well, that's the other thing. Yeah. Are all of these animals from the Jurassic... That's the interesting thing. Very few of them are from the Jurassic. And so, did any of these animals live with each other? Uh, the, of the ones that we see? Of the ones that we see, uh, two or three of them do. There's okay. like, in this like scene... A tri- like a tri- the Triceratops and the T-Rex lived right, at the same time. Right, they coexisted and they were mortal enemies. Right. Right. Um, the Parasaurolophus, I'm not sure if that... Uh, worked alongside the brachiosaurus. I'm not trying. I I can't quite remember the brachiosaurus. And the Dilophosaurus di- di- predated all of them. Predated all of them. Okay, that makes sense. The way they look, even right, they look like a precursor to these other ones. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. So this is more like Cretaceous Park, right? right? And that was the joke. <laughs> was it? Okay. Dinosaurs. Like you mean Cretaceous Park? But also, like like I said, like. We we see mm-hmm. a, a thing about this is cloning, and then it's John Hammond standing next to John Hammond, and I'm like, right. no, cloning makes a baby. It doesn't make, and we do it doesn't make a full, and we do see babies. Right, we do see babies, and that's when uh, B D Wong's character, mm-hmm. who uh, is it, B D Wong? It is B D Wong. Yeah, B D Wong. Yeah, who uh, is a character in even the current yeah Jurassic the current ones too yeah. And I like the fact that his character sort of, it's... He, his character gets evil. Right. He's not evil in this one. He's also so young. 
Right. He looks like he's like 27. And I find it funny that, again, in the book, there's a different body count than in the film. Okay. And his character died. Oh. In the book, uh, as opposed to the film. That, that makes sense for the book. Right. Uh, um, yeah, but like, I'm just like, how long does it take to get right. a, any animal to get to that big? Like, I would presume years and years and years. So how long have we been doing this? Not 10 years. Right. That's the implication that's given. They, they just spring up like mushrooms. Yeah, it's it's wild to me. Um, so um, now they know that there are dinosaurs on this island. They're like, oh, no, now we're going to go extinct because no, we, we don't have to study. Right, extinct animals anymore. Extinct animals. Although now you can study these and you've got a head start on every biologist in the country. Right. right. Like, but... Um, and then, you know, they start voicing concerns. You know, you've got you've got plants here that are poisonous because you think that they're pretty. Right. You know, true also of the animals, right? Um, and so they start voicing concerns, but they're in awe. And then they go on this little tour of, yeah, the, the, the science, like the research. That, that really made me laugh. The tour is really, in terms of parodies. Yeah. Is one of my favorite yeah. parts. The the doors open uh, to Jurassic Park on these automated. Well, cars. no, no, no. I'm talking about the tour of the science facility oh, okay. before so, they so. even get there. We'll get there. Right. They go on a tour of the science facility where they find out that they found mosquitoes with the blood of these animals. Uh-huh. It was deteriorated, so they mixed it with frog, frog blood. That's important. Frog DNA to complete the Why strands. Frogs? You know, because they're the ones that where the females will become males right. if they need to fertilize eggs. Hey, hey, that comes in later. Um, and uh, then they go and they're looking into this lab and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's this animatronic. Although he calls them. The lawyer calls them, is this autoerotica? And I'm like, that's a. This movie is for kids. But I thought it was very funny though, <laughs> because it's audio animatronic is what they used to be referred to oh, as looking okay. figures. So it's like audio. And audio. he's like, no, no animatronics. Right. These are the scientists. Right. And. And uh, Alan and Ellie both push their things up and go into the into the room, and I'm like, uh, "Hey, you didn't think locks? You didn't right. think door locks? You don't think people are just going to get up and walk around? People are terrible. People are terrible. And if you spent if you you've charged them ten thousand dollars a day, they're going to be worse mm-hmm. because they are going to feel entitled to anything they want. Right? Exactly. Um, because that's the, what the lawyer says when he sees the. Well, that's dinosaurs. Also the, um, he says, right. we're going to make so much that's money. That's also the theme behind Westworld, which was written mm-hmm. by Michael Clayton and was really kind of another version of the same story. Right. But in that case, mm-hmm. you are charged an obscene amount of money and they expect you to right. want to be as abusive things. and horrible as you can be. But here, yeah. Hammond doesn't take any of that into account. So, yeah, they just push and get and set up and go into this lab. They push like, up the, the protection the bar. The protection bar. Um, and then they do see some raptors being born. Born. Uh, Hammond says he's there for all of them when they come out of their when they hatch, so that they bond with him to mm-hmm. make it easier. For what I don't know, he's not out there training them, so I don't. I don't know. Um, we do see too that there is later. It's going to be uh, Chris Pratt's character, but we do see like a. An animal handler. He's right. Australian, and he's like, "Well, he's we're in, all gonna die. Everyone's gonna die. This is terrible." In the book, uh, he's a big game hunter. 
That's yeah, and for and, the, that's probably right. probably what he was here. They don't explicitly say, but he's the animal wrangler. Right. He, he's like, about, he don't, have these a, are animals. Don't think that about, they're not. Particularly when he's talking about the raptors. Yeah, how they um, he's hunted just about everything that lives. Yeah. Uh, so that's the throwaway line that lets you know what his character his is. His character is yeah. But it's interesting how in the book he's more of a heroic character and he gets to survive this. Uh, he's film, not not heroic here, yeah. but he is definitely the pessimist. He's like right. You can't and and constantly like later when mm-hmm. they get out of the trucks just in the wild, he's like, "I told you we should have put locks in the doors." I'm like, "Yeah." Put <laughs> Duh. Um, so, so they see this thing be born. That's when we see B.D. Wong's character, and uh-huh. we find out that they can't breed because they've made them all females. And both the biologist, the, the you know, the, the paleontologist, and the castician, the, the mathematician, are like, you can't, you can't guarantee that they can't breed. Even if you say that they're all, fe- even if they're all right. female, it doesn't matter. And once again, amphibian DNA. That's the worst one. That's the worst one. You should have used like a turkey. <laughs> um, so then we get two more visitors. Who are the kids? The kids. Lexi and Tim. Tim is a big fan of uh, Alan. Right. Who's he read his book, although he's read other books too, and he wants to talk about his other the other books with Alan to see how their um thoughts align. Alan does not want to have a discussion with this child, any child. Lexi has a little bit of a crush, like immediately, <laughs> on Alan, which is very funny. Um and then uh Ellie tries to get them to all be together in during the tour. <laughs> because quote unquote and Lexi says this to him she says it'll be good for you <laughs> but they end up separated so they go out into the tour they're going to do they're going to do they're going to see like basically what the the standard tour is going to be and they get into these two jeeps that are electric and on rails but without locks on the doors mm, stupid and it's the lawyer and the two kids in the front and the scientists in the back. Mm-hmm. Two trucks, and they're going to go. And, yeah, then they go through the big fence. Jurassic right. Park, which I've been through that fence because I've been to Universal Studios. The joke is <laughs> that there's a lot of – so these cars are moved on tracks. Yes. They, they can't deviate from that. Yes. Um, and the jokes I was mentioning, the gate is meant to resemble – the fence that we'll see outside of King Kong's lair sure. yeah. in King Kong. As a matter of fact. And and Goldblum says, right. what are they keeping in their King Kong? And I'm like, you saw what they're keeping in the their dinosaurs, dude. <laughs> calling it Isla Nublar, Foggy Island, or Island Covered in Fog, is the island in King Kong. Yes. Skull Island is Skull perpetually island, right. covered in fog. Uh, another thing is that um, all, of the, uh, all of the trucks have a CD-ROM yeah, the touch screen they've technology. got a touch screen, and they have to tell you how touch screens right. work because it's 1993, and there weren't touch screens everywhere. And I was like, "That's that is how and they work." One of the the mantras that because ha- it would be like a Tesla now, we right. would have this big screen. That's exactly what would happen. Hammond uh, keeps stressing, "Oh, we spared no expense." Spared no expense, yeah. And one of the funnier bits I felt was but having except on the locks. Richard Kiley. Yeah, narrating it, and he's oh, like, oh, yeah. Richard Kiley, who if who is that? I don't Richard know. Richard Kiley is. is an actor. Okay, who, who's an actor from uh, the 
oh God, he was active from the 50s through the 90s, I think. Okay. But one of the things that he was remembered for by a certain iteration of people is that he narrated so many of the National Geographic specials. Got you, which is so what they're that using fell here. Into, yes. That oh, makes sense. We got Richard Kiley, the narrator of National Geographic. Right. Spared no expense. Right. I'm like, why didn't you get your brother? That's true. Because isn't Richard Attenborough David Attenborough's brother? <laughs> are they related? They, I, are they, or are they not? Are they just like Adam Baldwin and Alec Baldwin, no relation? <laughs> I, I need to find out really quickly because I, I always assumed that was the case. But Siblings, Richard Attenborough, John Attenborough, and yeah, they are. Okay. Unless Google and Wikipedia are really fucking me on their links. They might. Uh, but I, I was pretty sure that they were. Um, but I guess that brings too much attention to him and right. they don't want to do that. Um, so they go out into the park. And meanwhile, we're back in the control room. And mm-hmm. we this is when we meet uh, Sam Jackson. And we hear him before we see him because he is sending um, announcements over the park because... It's the end. It's this is exactly how Deep Blue Sea starts, yo. Mm -hmm. And Sam Jackson doesn't make it through that one either. Spoiler alert. Um, It's the weekend. So if you don't want to be here for the weekend and you don't, you better be at the dock at 345 because they're taking off and you will be stranded here otherwise. So. Like three forty five is the late like is the cutoff time, right? There are buses going down, mm-hmm. like we're hearing all of that. And we are also starting to hear that there's a storm, right? Yeah. So Nedry is gonna go he's like looking back and forth, looking back and forth, but what he needs to do is shut down security so he can go steal these embryos. He we're hearing that the tropical storm is coming. Right. Um and then he's going to have to take a, uh, there's a gas, there are gas powered trucks. Like they, that's mm-hmm. how they got in. Um, and he's going to take that to the dock. And so he's getting on that boat. I don't believe Sam Jackson is set to get on the boat. I think he's set to be there for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Attenborough is set to be there for the weekend. And the scientists are set to be there for the weekend. Like there is a core crew. I think the, um, the, the animal wrangler is right. set to be there for the weekend. Um, but it's going to be a ske- like skeleton crew, um, and everybody else is getting off the island. And now there's a storm coming, so that timeline is pressed, right? So that's what we're hearing. And I'm like, at this point, Nedry needs to make a a call, and the call, the call needs to be, they'll get them next weekend. Mm. I'm coming back on Monday. The kids are here. The insurance people are here. The big-name scientists are here. The boss is watching to make sure everything goes smoothly so that they get their funding. I'm going to wait till next weekend to pull off this heist. But he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Why not? Because this is the weekend we're watching. It's a movie and we need conflict. But I would argue, just the storm and not this dumb motherfucker, and we could have had the conflict that we needed. But he's shut down. And then goes to the snack bar, but then what he's really doing is going to steal some embryos. And we see people leaving. We hear the times are going. And then, but the, everybody else is still out in the, in the thing. And they go to the first, uh, exhibit, where like I said, you could open the door and get out. And I'm right. like the, 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 
There's electrified fences, but they're like three feet separate, or like two, like a foot and a half right. between each line, like bar. And I'm like, those dinosaurs could get out of that. Well, the dinosaurs, I don't understand, like but the they're not there. You don't right. even see them. The dinosaur's <laughs> paddock has these really huge electrified fences, and that's a a big drop on right. the other and side that you can't the, see. I think the most secure paddock is the velociraptors because they can jump. Because they can jump. Yeah, they've got a hell of and a And so they have something here. that's essentially like a like a fortress. There's walls around it and yeah. it's very high and yeah. maybe the, at some point it's not really clear how you're supposed to see them. Yeah. Yeah, um, no. So the first one they go to is the frilled mm. the frilled ones that right, spit poison. But they don't. That's right. Fine. That's we don't know that they had poison. Of course that would all be soft tissue stuff, so maybe so, so maybe. Right. Uh yeah. Frills too, right? How right. do they know they have frills? They don't know that they have frills. Because that's soft. That's gonna yeah. go. Um and and they don't nothing shows up. And then they get pushed along to the Tyrannosaurus paddock. They try to lure one out with a goat, which Lexi's right. like, What's gonna happen with the goat? And I'm like Bitch, what do you think is going to happen to go? And the Dreadosaurus doesn't show up. And so it's, like, disappointing at this point, right? right? And then they continue on, and then they decide they've got to have them come back because the storm is coming. Like, Mm -hmm. it hasn't changed course, and it's going to hit earlier than they thought. So they need to go. Nedry's timeline's been smushed. So he's like he's starting to shut shit down. Right. But they turn him around and then they just stop in front of the Tyrannosaurus paddock, which I think is like the second one in. At mm-hmm. least that's what we saw. And Nedry gets all his embryos. He manages to get them. Oh, you left out the Triceratops there. Oh, that's right. That at the very end is the triceratops. Right. That's right. They get to the triceratops and they jump out, and that's uh-huh. when the guy goes, "Should have put locks on the doors." And I'm like, now, "Some weird stuff <laughs> happens in between there, which is Malcolm is really hitting on Malcolm hits on Ellie a couple of times, but in a sort of a weird creeper way at times. I don't think so. He reaches over and starts playing with her hair while he's talking to her. Yeah, but. She's into it because right. she is giggling. She's holding her hand out. She's gra- like, but she's also trying flirting. to get her boyfriend's attention at yeah, the same time. I'm not sure if she's I, making him jealous. I think that I think they're just playing. I don't. Uh-huh. I I don't think it's serious. I and think, then later, uh-huh. Malcolm asks Alan, "Hey, uh-huh. is she single?" And then he's like, "What?" And then he goes, "Oh, you guys are together." And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> well, he so, has one of the better lines of, I'm always looking for a future ex, Mrs. Malcolm. Mrs. Malcolm, yeah. Um, but uh, He's going to flirt with anybody available, and Lexi's too young. So right. this is what's going to happen. The uh, But the Triceratops... Oh, yeah. So the Triceratops is, is where I cried. So there's right. a, they see it, and it's... Um, well, they get out, and because they, they see the, uh, the other vans. There are, uh-huh. like, two Jeeps there. And they go and they look and she's and there's a triceratops laying down, uh-huh. breathing heavily. And it is, y'all. Even in twenty, like thirty years later, these effects work. Right. And these effects largely work because they are ninety percent practical, ten percent CG. Mm-hmm. And the, it snuffles, it breathes. Sam Neil lays on it, it goes up and down. Right. Uh, it's massive next to them. Um, you know, she looks at its tongue and she sees that it's got this issue and she's like, I gotta see, are they eating this? Mm-hmm. 
um, because she sees some poisonous um, things. And he's like, you know, we know they're poisonous, but the dinosaurs don't eat them. And I'm like, well, you don't watch them all the time. She's like, well, there's only one way to find out. Where's the poop? And she goes and puts her hand in a big pile of poop. I think the pile of poop was too big, unless it had been man-made. Or, you know, put because the the dinosaur's ass is only yay high, and then there was a <laughs> there's a pile of poop that's like bigger than they are, and I'm like that could come from one of the right the, the brachiosaurs, the, the, right, but not a not a tyrannosaur or like not a triceratops. Now um, the interesting thing about the triceratops, so Steven Spielberg wanted to use large size props as much as possible. Yeah, good choice, and he was depending on. Uh, so he went to Stan Winston to design these. Okay. Right? And Stan Winston admits that everyone in the special effects industry is a dinosaur nerd. Everyone. So they leapt at the chance to do this. When the reaction that you're getting when you're watching all the actors looking at these, this particular dinosaur, this is the first actual dinosaur they had on set. Oh, okay. Before so that, they are really was, in awe yeah, of it. Uh, Sam Neill talks about, yes, we had to look over at an X that was in a tree... Right. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes Stephen would just stand on top of a platform behind a megaphone making growling noises uh, and expect us to look frightened. And he said during those scenes it was really hard not to just break out laughing. Because, yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and they had no idea what it would look like and they were all, right. frankly, a little bit worried. Right. So this was the first time they actually got to see a dinosaur. Uh-huh. There were eight people operating this. Okay. And they were out of sight. You couldn't see them. And so it looked like so it was it, doing everything on looked, its own. They come through a field, and this is what they see. So he goes, that reaction was genuine. Like, it was genuine, and it's legit. Like, right. it's, and I did. I teared up. I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, it was really. Because it was like both of their favorites when they were kids, right. y'all. It's my favorite. Yeah. The Triceratops is my favorite dinosaur. Um, and... It looks, it's so sad just laying there. It looks so sick. Now they tranked it because they're like, come on right. in. Mm-hmm. You can touch it. We've tranked it. Right. Um, and they're trying to figure out why she's sick. And Laura Yeah, It's a beautiful restoration to, of a triceratops. It is. It, it, is. it, it the, the amount of work that went into texturing the skin in particular yeah, yeah. Uh, was amazing. But yeah, eight people operating at the cables were hidden. The operators were hidden so that yeah. The so its head goes back was, and forth. Its t- uh-huh. it mouth opens and closes, and its tongue moves. Its pupils dilate. Its pupils dilate mm-hmm. and move in the sockets, and it's breathing. Right. And it's I don't know if the sound was added later. There's a labored breathing sound. It probably was added, right. added probably, later. Probably, but I'm sure that something happened. Something was happening because there. you are these are huge bellows being op- operating yeah. the stomach. So it, so she's digging around in the pubes. Says still can't find. Or uh-huh. can't find any evidence of the poisonous lilac. Um, and then they're like, you got to go because um, the, like they get a thing over the walkie-talkie. We're bringing you guys back because there's a storm coming. Mm-hmm. And she's she's like, I want to stay. Well, that was, you said they called it a trike. Right. And with the, the first trike, time I remember hearing one called a trike. And then after that, everyone calls everyone it a trike. Everyone calls it a trike. Um, and the the... The biologist that's out there uh-huh. um, is like, oh yeah, I've, I'm going to take the the gas jeep back mm-hmm. um, to catch the, the the barge out of here. Right. I can drop her off, no problem. So that's they split up at this uh-huh. point. Um and the other ones get in the in the van to go back and on their way back it's starting to rain and they are stopped. They just stop right in front of the 
Triceratops hide. Right, because Nedria shut off all the systems. Yeah, he turns off basically height. not all of the power, but most of the power yeah. and all of the security systems, so that he can't he isn't seen on the on the cameras. Um, and he grabs yeah, and then he grabs his things and he books and he takes one of the jeeps and he starts driving. Right, and so the thing is that in effect, oh, on wait. their trip back, it stops them in front it of the stops them in front thing. of the Tyrannosaurus thing, and they look and the goat is there and then the goat is not there and then. Where's the goat? Where's the goat? And then the big steps and the water. Uh-huh. And... Which apparently was inspired by Godzilla. Yeah. And it was also affected by... What is it? The One of the special effects directors talked about. He was trying to figure out how to get that effect. And one day he's sitting in his car, listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire really loud on his uh, stereo system. And his and company was... It's like, that's how we that's do it. That's how we do it, right. yeah. Um, and so the water, you hear the the steps, right? Uh-huh. And in the car with the kids is the lawyer, mm-hmm. and the lawyer freaks out and runs. And Lexi's like, "He left us! Mm-hmm. He left us!" <laughs> and at this point, Lexi stops becoming a person and starts becoming a hysterical. She doesn't really come back to herself. She comes back to herself a little with some ice cream, but then she loses it, loses it right. again. Um, she spends much of this movie in abject terror, which, fair enough. <laughs> um, and Less abject terror than Gerano, the uh, attorney who is hiding in the bathroom. He runs in the bathroom. And, and the Malcolm and Alan see that and go, and, and Ian Malcolm says, well, you're, I guess when you got to go, you got to go. Right. And they're like, stay still. He, they know what to do, or uh-huh. Alan knows what to do, so he can tell Malcolm what to do. But the kids don't know what to do, and so they turn on a flashlight. Like, it's a whole thing, and they, they draw the attention of, a of the T-Rex. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Of the full-size Tyrannosaurus Rex. How long did it take to, for them to get to full-size? Any Who Do knows? we have any idea? No. Although I would, I would imagine it would be faster, because they don't really have much of a margin for error. A Tyrannosaurus is a very kind of dangerous animal, and it, it it's going to eat like like a lot of... like 10 years. Well, a lot of frig predators mature very quickly. Sure. They reach something like full size. Uh, but then again, with this, we can't tell, because again, know. whole ecosystem lost. Yeah. By the way, something that's a point in this movie that was irritating, uh. or we find out later on, a Tyrannosaurus's visual uh, acuity is not based on movement. Oh, it's not? No. As a matter of fact, it How has, do we know that? We it has a stereoscopic vision, uh-huh. like we do. Yeah. So it's, well, we know that its eyes are in the front of its head. Right. It also has eyes in proportion to its skull. It's roughly like looking at a a bird. Okay. Uh, like an eagle or a hawk. It also has a nasal cavity that's an really owl? huge. Yeah. Okay. It has a nasal cavity that's really huge. You could probably fit your upper body inside so of it. So they could, they know where you are by smell. When yeah. it breathes out on them, that was my thing. I was like, when it breathes out on them, like mm-hmm. fucking right here. Right. Like its snout is touching right. the Sam Neill. Sort of I'm like, it knows something is there. Making it as if it's like the Mr. Magoo of the dinosaur world, yeah. which it is not. You know, it's the, one of the uh, in recent studies have imagined that, of course, it was much more intelligent than we've ever given it credit for. But also that it it had possibly, at least in proportion to its size and everything else, 
some of the best eyesight and smelling of any animal that ever lived, any terrestrial animal. We think. We think. Because once again, all of those are soft tissues and we right, don't Right, but know. given the size of yes. the apertures that these things we contain. We can guess so, to those things. Right, when you compare it to a bird skull, for instance, yeah. it had eyesight like an eagle. Yeah. And when you compare it to the nasal cavity, as it has this, the only animal that has a similar proportion for the nasal cavity to the size of its head is a turkey vulture. Okay. And it can smell rotting flesh a mile away. A mile away, yeah. And being that it's as a big hunter, it's also a scavenger, scavenger hunter, it's going to smell them, it's going to see them. So yeah. this whole scene, as much as I like it, it's, it's like, like no. that's not what would happen, right? It would probably ignore them in real life, too. Because also, that's not that's so small. Right. It's like... Like, you, when it comes in at the end, uh, and it grabs a velociraptor, I'm like, yeah, that's right. food. Or, uh, we are nothing. Later, We're, later on, the Gallimimus, when it hunts those down. Mm-hmm. That, that's more the case. But hunting down, like, spending all that energy for an animal that's essentially just muscle from nose to tail. Yeah. Um... Spending all that energy on basically chasing chicken nuggets. Well, the the realist what what it does to the truck, I think, is pretty realistic because right, be, it flips yes. it over. It flips uh, the 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 one that the kids are in over, right. and then it starts going after its like its innards. Right. It pulls out like the piping and the tire off the bottom because it's like, well, this I this I, is the soft underbelly right, exactly. and this is the guts but then it's not and, and it, it stops biting after about two all bites all like, aside it's, it's a really brilliantly conceived scene see yes the, 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 the thing is um, flipped situation to situation Alan and Malcolm get out Alan gets out and um, grabs a flare mm-hmm. and throws it and then Malcolm decides to do the same, but badly, and makes it makes the thing run after him so uh-huh. that Alan can go get the kids out of the the front truck because it's sinking in the mud. Like right. they're get, they're gonna they're they'll be crushed if they don't do something. Um, and but it doesn't work out super great for Malcolm, and he throws he he throws the the flare ahead of him. On the same path that he's traveling, right? And <laughs> doesn't veer his his directionality, and so he is he is he's not attacked by the T Rex, but he is kicked by the T Rex. Yeah, it's like he basically into the as the the T Rex basically runs at the hut that Gennaro that right. the attorney is in. Um, and just takes Malcolm out on the way is right. basically what happens. And so he is in the the rubble of this hut. The hut just go like mm. it gets totally Walls demolished. Fall down and, and he's sitting on the toilet. His pants aren't down. Right, gen- gen- but he is just sitting on the toilet and he does get yes. chopped. Which once again, I don't know like, that why he would bother? do that. <laughs> right. He's like, that's not enough calories to sustain anything. I'm right. gonna be let me he's gonna not even the the amount of calories I have to expend, he's like celery. Right. The amount of calories that this thing has to expend just to chew him up and swallow him is more than the amount of calories he's going to get from the right, eating exactly. of him. <laughs> yeah. People are T Rex celery right. is what they're, we've they're, come they're up just, with. In real life it probably would not bother at all. No. They'd just be like, okay, well go I'll away. Go. Right. go away, all of you shoot. Yeah. So the kids mm-hmm. end up <laughs> the truck gets kicked over and Tim is in a tree in the truck mm-hmm. and 
and Lexi and Alan are able to scale down the wall at the bottom. And then Alan climbs back up, gets Tim out of the truck, and then they have to race the truck to the bottom of the tree. They make it. And now Alan, who doesn't like kids, has two terrified children that he has to be. And he's not going to leave them. He doesn't doesn't dislike kids to the point of, like, it's you or me, so it's going to be me. So he, he takes, like, he's like, well, these are mine now. <laughs> Our roommate recently was watching episodes or reruns of the old episodes of The Walking Dead. And I'm like, yeah, this is not what happens to them. It's not like, here. He, no. <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to run and you're going to you're yeah. be, no. Yeah. He takes care of them. There's a couple of really neat moments there, too, where yeah. uh, the kid, Tim, I guess it is, uh, doesn't want to come out of the car because he's ashamed of admitting that he threw up. Yeah, he's like, I threw up. And he's like, don't worry, I'm not going to tell anybody. But also, yeah, you did. I would have too. Yeah, the the scene with the Tyrannosaurus is really one of the most effective scenes in the entire film. Yeah, they get, like, the the top of the Jeeps are glass, so there's a point where the T-Rex breaks the glass down onto them or pushes it down onto them, so it's snapping at them through... I paint like and the a, only thing keeping him from just getting them is the fact that his head's too big. His to head's too big to fully get in. Yeah, and that's fucking terrifying. And then you think that's terrifying. These kids are gonna have he then, severe PTSD. Tries to rip out the innards of this truck. Of this truck, yeah, and and is crunching right the into, thing, this into mud the mud, that's flooding into, into it. So the they're gonna thing. drown. They're gonna how are they yeah. gonna buy it? Or it's, they're gonna be crushed from right. above. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot. Right. And um, then we get back and we see Laura Dern and the um, has been returned mm-hmm. and the the do the return of bounced I right. guess and now they're starting to go what's going on like systems are shutting down what's going on what's going on Jack- Sam Jackson goes to Nedry's his workstation his workstation which is disgusting to try and get it re- to reboot because he's seeing systems shut down and. Um, he gets a little, you know, it's it's 1993 hacker shit. A little, like, pop-up of Nedry's head on another body going, ha ha, you, did, you didn't say the password or right. you didn't say the magic word or whatever it was. And they're like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Somebody find Nedry. Now, now let's go to Nedry. Nedry, Nedry has his payload and he's got to go to the East Dock. He's been given basically 15 minutes. He's never done this thing, this run in less than 20. Mm-hmm. He also doesn't actually know the way. He's still relying on the signs on the island, which have now become smushed in rain. It's very hard to see. His glasses are fogged up. He's driving. He drives directly into a sign. And when he gets out and picks it up, the arrow of which way to go is broken and it's just spin, spinning around. And so he picks a direction. He goes the wrong way. And he's like, I should be there by now. I should be there by now. And then he gets hung up on like this fallen log mm-hmm. and he is stuck. And he has, to, and these Jeeps are well equipped. So it's got a, a, a winch, but he's got to get out and pull the winch and wrap it around a thing. And he's like talking to himself, talking to himself way th- the way through it. And I'm like, you've already missed this fucking boat, which we don't know, actually. We don't know what happens to the boat. Uh, but he's, like, dealing with that, and, da, 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 and then this dinosaur comes up behind him. And it's fairly small, and it looks not that scary, because it's, like, maybe the size of a pheasant. It's not mm. so big. And he, like, tries to get it to play fetch, and it doesn't. And then he calls it stupid. 
and then it spits in his face, and then it kills him. <laughs> and meanwhile, we see the Barbasol can plunk down into the river and wash away. Now, what we should say is that Barbasol can has 15 embryos in it. And what we know from how they keep all of the animals female is every, every, this is true, mm-hmm. all animals start as female. Right. Then they get an injection of hormones at a certain point to make them male if that's what they're going to be. Right. In the lab, they just prevent that from happening. They withhold it. These are now 15 embryos that are going to develop how they're going to fucking develop. <laughs> but it doesn't even matter. Because the next time we see uh, Sam, Neil, and the kids, uh-huh. there's eggs. So we'll get back right. to that in a second. So Nedry is dead. He's done way, all of this and has met a foul end. He will not get to spend Dilophos- his money. Dilophosaurus in real life yes. is eight feet tall thereabouts. Oh, I thought they were going to be much smaller. And not 25 much feet long. Oh yeah, that's big. That's that would, but I think the thing is there would be too many similarities to the other big carnosaurs in this movie. There, so that you didn't want to keep. It's, yeah, but, they were trying to vary the sizes. Right. I don't know why they didn't just vary the dinosaurs then. Well, but, the Dilophosaurus okay. has that really interesting crest on that crest. That crown is actually part of the dinosaur. The frill okay. stuff like that isn't, or the spinning venom. That's like a. That's we a, don't know. We don't know right. about any of that we, because we it's soft. Um. So, the, what's his name? The, uh, the animal wrangler that they have there. What is his name? Is that Robert Muldoon? I imagine it would be. He looked like a Muldoon. Yes, I believe so. Uh, he and Ellie go out to get all the people that they left. (laughs) Or that she left. Yeah. Well, no. They they go to get survivors because they're like oh that's right the, okay that's uh, the they step. go out to get the kids to get Alan to uh, get Ian to get the lawyer they all go out to do that well um, Hammond and uh, um, Sam Jackson uh, try and figure out to what is going on on this side yeah so they're gonna go they go out um, to save the kids from, right. fundamentally but also to save her husband or to her her boyfriend and. You know all the all the people that are just out there, and they pull up to the T Rex uh, enclosure and they see that the 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 cables have all been broken, so right. that they know that the T Rex is out. And the out. trucks are really damaged. And they hear, oh, they they see. Well, I think this is part of Gennaro, and in a totally different place, Lord Dern says, "I think this is too." <laughs> <laughs> um. And then they hear, uh, <laughs> it's Ian Malcolm under a pile of um, the brush and stuff. Because this thing was devised as like a hut, so it was made right. out of leaves and stuff, so he's under that. And they um, they tourniquet, he, he's put a tourniquet on himself. He's a doctor. He's a doctor of mathematics, but he's also, like, he's smart enough to know right. tie something tight here. Um, and so they get him up onto the truck, and then... They're looking around and they can't. They don't. They see the other truck at the bottom of the of the um, T Rex enclosure. Because, like mm. I said, it's not like it's like in a zoo where right. the the, a, the animals are at a mm. not just a trench. The, it's the animals are at a in a dip, mm-hmm. so they can't get to you, right? Although at T Rex, 
in a dip. It's just putting you at eye level, I guess. Um, and so they, they go down and they look around and they see blood and they see, but they don't see anybody. Right. And so they go back up and then the T-Rex comes. And they got to run in the, the, in the Jeep. In the, in the they got to drive real fast. And they do outrun the T-Rex and the T-Rex finally is just like, I'm not going to. Right. This is too much effort. <laughs> and last is... time I ate one of those, it wasn't even good. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they go and they mm-hmm. get back to the, the main, um, like the visitor center, but it's underneath the visitor center is like the control center, which right. is where um, Jackson and Hammond are. And they're still trying to figure out. They're like, and Sam Jackson's like, we got to reset everything. Like, I, I can't override whatever he did on his computer. We don't know where he is. For all, we got to assume that he's gone off mm-hmm. island at this point. So the only way to get the power or the the hypothetically, because that's the other thing, the system isn't meant to be shut all the way off. Right. But hypothetically, the only way to get anything, everything back, is to shut everything off. And Which is so, a very <laughs> I like that idea. It's like what I do with my computer. Yeah, you just turn it off that and turn works. it on it's again. Like, yeah, there we go. We'll try that. See. Ninety percent of the time. That's what happens. It works. We see Tim and Lex and Alan for a little while. They are hiking back to the visitor center. Mm-hmm. That's the, the best thing that they can think of to do. Um, they It's getting late. And so he has them climb up into a tree. Tim's like, I hate trees. He's like, <laughs> They climb up into there and they can see the brachiosaurus um, far away and um, they calm Lexi. Lexi freaks out mm-hmm. seeing a dinosaur, and she, they're they're like, "No, no, no! These are veggiesaurs. So they they don't eat meat. These are veg. They're like you. They don't. They're not going to eat us. Um, and they're really far away too. So they are able. They sleep, mm-hmm. and then the next morning they wake up, and there's one right there eating off the tree that they're in. But it's cool, and they all get to pet it, and it's very lovely. Except and, it sneezes on. And then it sneezes on her. Okay, and she's just like. <sighs> I hate dinosaurs. And then they keep walking. They see a herd of animals running. And he says, they're like birds running from a predator. And I'm like, do you think they might be, I don't know, running from a predator? And then they realize they're running right at them. And so they're like running and they hide behind them. Here I have to Like a log. Something that I mentioned (sighs) to you when we were watching it. How can you... The the theory that dinosaurs evolved into birds, or some of them did. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because was that a relatively new theory at this time? That was... Or in 1990? For the public, it was. Okay. It was 20 years old for scientists. Because the the idea is, Alan thinks that that's what happened. Right. And, he, and we know that from the opening thing, because he talks about right, that. Exactly. They become... They, they're, they're birds of today. Their raptor is uh-huh. bird of prey. That's what the word means. Um, so he believes that. Then Tim is like, also, I read this book... By Backer, uh-huh. um, and he doesn't. He thinks that they that a virus took them out, and they didn't turn into anything. And now, some the the idea though is there was a mass extinction event, right? Caused not by nature, like Malcolm does the thing where he's like, God makes dinosaurs, God destroys dinosaurs, God makes man. Man destroys God. Man makes dinosaurs. Right. That's the right. that is what has happened here, um, which is actually like a very good, to my mind, summation. But 
And then he he talks about how Nate, no 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 we shouldn't be doing this because the dinosaurs had their chance and nature said no and then now they're extinct. But nature didn't really say no. A meteor from space said no. So the universe said right. no, but nature didn't say like they didn't evolve out of it being. No, there was a massive extinction event. It's some of them managed to survive as. As birds, the smaller ones, right? The smaller ones, because um, <laughs> the smaller ones will will in a, a mass extinction event like mm-hmm. that, smaller animals will right. survive well, over and, bigger. Animals. And oddly, I can also understand the idea that they it was not solely the mass extinction event, although the world they must have survived in for a while was a nightmare. Was a yeah, it was really I mean, hard. It was a world without sunlight yeah. and a world filled with rotting corpses. Yeah. And so, so if you could sustain on that, right, and, you could make it through. But if you couldn't, so, right, but, but, if you were a multi-ton right. plant-eating animal, you weren't going to survive that because no. there was not enough food for you. The the idea that, and this is where the the mass extinction thing it, it's always uh, puzzled me. You have animals that coexisted with them that are still insects and turtles. And animals like turtles and crocodiles and snakes that just sort of reduced greatly in size and they still exist with us. We no longer have, thank God, crocodiles the size of city buses. We don't have turtles that you essentially were the size of a Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. You don't have that anymore. And I think that's probably best for all of us because that's horrifying. Horned turtles, that was crazy. But there are the dinosaurs that evolved into birds tended to be like the Gallimimus. Smalls. And so, as you're saying, Smaller. that was a new idea for, <laughs> for, the, for the general public. public. Okay. But it was an older idea, even before when I first heard about it, somewhere in the early 70s. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's right. enough, there had to be enough, like, couldn't be a brand new thought, because he's pointing things out, like, right. look, they have holes in their bones, like a bird. They right. have this, like a bird. They have that, like a bird. Like, it, there's right. all of these... There's two kinds of dinosaurs, really, Saurosichian and Ornithosichian. The Ornithosichian literally means bird-hipped dinosaurs. Okay. So it's like the carnivores, the big fat, the ones that had to run, even to Tyrannosaurus, has bird features too. Right. So, um... Wait, they, yeah, they run very much right. like a bird. Like they a roadrunner. like a bird, yeah. Um, and you look at uh, even the Gallimimus, though, it looks for nothing so much in the world as a plucked ostrich. Yeah. That's what it, it essentially is. So, yeah. It's like, okay, yes, you don't have to convince me. That's obviously a bird. And then it's, like, funny because right at the beginning, uh-huh. he's standing next to this brachiosaur and he's like, uh, we can stop talking about cold-blooded animals. This is a warm-blooded animal. Right. Which, can you tell that just by standing next to it? Mm, I don't know. I, I know that what uh, the research that was being done when I was younger that first started people uh, on that direction was taking cross-sections of fossilized bone and being able to take a look at it. The problem was you had to be able to cut into a bone, which is very valuable, yeah. and also have the bone preserve enough of the of the actual material that made it up mm-hmm. instead of being smashed flat, um, and to take a look at the way that, well, the, the structure of the bone itself. Okay. Go into all sorts of nerdy details, but uh, that's when the theory first began to find purchase. I remember reading a National Geographic uh, from the mid '70s that was very, very uh, 
it had a revolutionary new theory about dinosaurs, and that was included there. It's like, no, I, I think they actually were sort of a strange, warm-blooded dinosaurs that possibly, and there were other people who had theories at the same time, but uh, that are possibly closer related to birds or made it into that uh, into a cycle as birds rather than just as reptiles. Yeah. So where were we? Oh yeah. So Tyrannosaurus they eats a gallimimus. Yes, that's rah, what rah, has rah, happened, rah, rah. and um, and and they stay safe. But they also this the same time that Doctor Sadler is trying to reboot the fence, or trying to reboot the fences, and this is the next day after the storm. Um, they're trying to climb a fence to get well. Close to it's the first they they're, they're not back yet. They're still running through the thing. They do find a. He, he, Alan, out right. in the wild... Finds the eggs. Finds eggs. Uh-huh. So, right. all that work that they did to keep these things from breeding, and already, before opening day... And this is thing. why the frogs were important. Yeah, and then he's like, amphibian DNA. Right. So he understands immediately what has happened. Um, then... Um, they're going to do the reboot and this is when sam jackson says hold on to your butts and he turns off one two three and then the big one ka-chunk and then he goes ka-chunk and then there's one little thing that says like starting up or whatever on the screen and he's like it worked but the breaker went so we gotta go flip the breaker and it's not just like flipping a switch you've got there's like a whole series of things that he needs to do but he's like i'm gonna go do that it's gonna be totally fine it's three minutes away i got this so he does the breaker now there has been a previous one line where the 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 warden the game warden that's Mm -hmm. what i think of him as the animal wrangler has said the power must have gone out completely because even Nedry wouldn't have turned off the, the, velociraptor. the velociraptor cage. Right. But the velociraptor cage was off. Mm. And um, so he goes three minutes, he's going to go do the thing, and then he's going to be back. Then he doesn't come back. And then Lord Dern's like, I'm going to go. And... Um, Malcolm can't walk. His legs fucked. Uh, and he's also on morphine. And yeah, yeah, he is high on morphine at this point too. And Hammond pulls up the blueprints and he's like, "I, it's not. I, I think I can walk you through this. I can read these schematics. We have there's um, uh, what's it called? Um, walkie talkies. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna yeah. have walkie talkies back and forth to each other. Um." And one second, they go to the bunker and then he doesn't come back. And then, yeah. And then, so then Ellie, oh, that's what it is. So Ellie and Muldoon, the the warden, the game warden, as we have now referred to him as, um, are going to go to the, to, to, do the flip the switch and Hammond goes I feel like I should go because I'm a man and you're a woman and Ellie's like when I get back we can discuss sexism in uh, survival situations but for now (laughs) and she takes the walkie talkie and she goes and um, 
they get to the shed. That's when Muldoon is like, oh shit, Velociraptors at least have the possibility of being out because their the power was all the power went out. And and then there are raptors. (laughs) There are Velociraptors in the shed. They find Muldoon's are uh no, not Muldoon. Uh, Arnold, Ray Arnold. That's Sam Jackson's mm-hmm. character's name. His arm. He, did, he didn't make it. Um, but Muldoon takes the like takes the Raptors away. Like he's he's gonna get them out of there so she can turn the power back on because they have no chance if there's no electric power anywhere. They're gonna really be all fucked. So um, he goes and to to um, hunt them basically is what right. his plan is, but also to lure them away. And she is on the thing and has to do this and then has to flip, flip, flip. And then she's going to charge it. And then she's going to flip it. And as we're watching her charge it up, we're watching Alan and Tim and Lex having to go up and over the perimeter fence. They're all the way to the end. They just have to go up and over mm-hmm. the perimeter fence and they get all the way up. And Tim gets kind of stuck at the top, and Alan's like, take your time. And I'm like, don't take your time. And Lexi gets down to the bottom, and Alan gets mostly down and then goes to start back up. But then um, Tim is like, he's like, jump, and Tim doesn't want to jump. And he's like, jump on three. And he's like, okay, I'm going to jump on three. Yeah, mind you, there's a, a, a red light that goes on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the red light. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the, the clear indication for the audience. There's like a eh sound, and then a right. red light comes on, and then, it fig- then they figure it's like five seconds. It's like, right. you got to go. We got to do this. Jump on three. And he's going to jump, and he goes one, two, and then the power comes back, and she goes flip, and the power comes back on. It zaps Tim off of the um, fence into Sam Neill, who is – there's a visual of – of Tim coming way far off of this fence, like uh-huh. almost straight out for maybe 10 feet before he falls. And Sam Neill was right under him, but still he catches him. So that's cool. Uh, and his hair is, and he is not all together, all right. together he, at this point. He's like, he has to, uh, uh, he has to oh, yeah, they have to, to do, CPR, that's right, CPR. Right, and restart um, his heart. And he does, Wake up. Yeah. Um, and his first words are? I don't know. Three. three. Oh, that's right, because he said, with three, oh, no, one, two. Right. And then, yeah, three. Uh, that's right. And then, meanwhile, though, Muldoon has caught onto where one of the raptors is, and he thinks he's got a beat on it, and then one pops up right here next to him, and he goes, oh, clever girl, and then, could chomp and then he right, dies which is exactly the exactly or it follows the exactly the pattern that uh, dr grant mentioned to a, a kid right at the very, very beginning the it's looking at you in the face right and that's not the one you have to worry about you got to worry about the two over here uh, one on each side of you that you didn't even know were there right. because they're pack hunters they're pack hunters he's taking down one there's two velociraptors at this point mm. we're down to two and the t-rex Let's not forget. And also the spitty ones. But we never actually see them again. <laughs> um, so Grant and Tim and Lex come all back to the visitor center. But everybody's in the bunker below. They don't know that. They don't even know there is a bunker below. Because they 
haven't been here for this whole time. So he leaves them. There's dessert out. So the kids go and eat dessert in the visitor center. And they're having, they're actually starting to like, think it's going to be okay. And then oops, a velociraptor comes in and they went into the kitchen. And then this is the scene that is basically shot for shot from the shining. (laughs) Um, And uh, they end up closing one of them in a freeze and then getting the other getting I don't know what happened to the other one they seal one in a freezer though like just like Jack Torrance and then I don't know I can't remember what happens to the other Velociraptor oh the T-Rex comes and chops it Uh, and then I think that's when everybody does they book it to the helicopter at this point well they (laughs) are able to put out the distress call. They, um... Oh, that's right. So, the, everybody, they get down into the control center, uh-huh. and the, the dinosaur is coming, like, the, uh, the other, um, or another one is trying to come through the door. Right. And Lexi, and they need to get the door locks to engage. Right. And Lex is a hacker. She told us earlier. And she sees Nedry's computer, and she's like, this is Unix. I know this. And it looks nothing like Unix, everybody. It's the most... She says Unix, and then there's all these, um, like, images. Right. Like, it's not... Unix is, like, a very text-based system, and this is not that. But it's fine, because it's for a movie, so we need to make... So she's, like, searching for it, searching for it, and then she finds it, and she locks it. And... So the power comes back. They call Hammond. And he calls for help. And then they try to leave the visitor center again. And they're cornered by the two remaining raptors. I guess they got out of the freezer. That's right. right. And um, just when you think they're going to have to deal with this again, they absolutely don't. Because that's when the T-Rex comes in. There's a very... A kind of uh, interesting scene in, that also strains a little credulity, although we're talking about... Everything strains credulity. Where they fall on top of the skeletons of dinosaurs that are suspended from the ceiling. Oh, that's and right. And the skeleton just falls to pieces, and, they're, and that yeah. itself is kind of scary. Yeah, the things come out of... The, the bolts come out of the ceiling, and I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to bolt dinosaur bones to a ceiling, you're going to make sure that those bolts can carry at least twice the weight of those bones, because you don't want them falling on anyone. Right, exactly. And And they they put one child on it, and it was like, dinosaur bones that are mounted that way tend to be reproductions, not the actual bones. Right. So So they're going to be light anyways, probably, right? You would make them lighter. lighter. You would be. But that didn't make any sense, but whatever. Anyhow, um, and the Tyrannosaurus Although, comes to in. be fair, they could put real bones up there because they're just making them. Right, that's true. They're not they as valuable at, their <laughs> at this um, stage. Yeah, the Tyrannosaurus comes, and that's one of the things that was really missing from the book, I felt. In the the Tyrannosaurus being the hero? Well, well, not just the Tyrannosaurus being the hero, but also the idea that you want to see some sort of... Because the Velociraptors are a terrible menace, and the Tyrannosaurus is a terrible menace, and at the end of the actual book, they never meet. But I think that Steven Spielberg, as a it's filmmaker, like, no, is like, gonna there's have a meet. huge missed opportunity yeah. there. Um, yeah, we're going to turn Velociraptors <laughs> into Utah Raptors, and then right. we're going to have them fight. 
Because otherwise it would be, again, Tyrannosaurus chasing because two Because it's two turkeys. of them. It's not just like the Tyrannosaurus comes in and takes the one. Mm-hmm. It's that he takes one and then the other one jumps up on him. Right. And that's supposedly the, 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 the clever girl. That's the, the yeah. leader of the, the group. Or yeah. the, the pack leader. The, the pack alpha, leader. I guess. Alpha. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and then... Um, and that's why she's so brave, but... Yeah. Hammond um, uh, comes ar- around with Malcolm, and they all jump in the Jeep. Uh-huh. And at that point, either Malcolm or Alan says, um, after careful consideration, I can't endorse your, your park. park. And um, and Hammond goes, me neither. <laughs> and then they take off, and then they fly away on a helicopter, presumably, presumably leaving the island to become Skull Island. Right. They're going to get a King Kong... At some point. And uh, they're just going to leave them behind. There's no more people living right. on the island. I think everybody, I, I'm pretty sure we believe that everybody else who's alive got off on the, the ferry or whatever. Now Hammond's going to just cancel that ferry service and uh, it's a wrap. drop an atomic bomb on it. Right. I don't know. What, well, I don't remember book, how they, what they the end up they doing. They by getting the Chilean army just to do repeated bombing runs of the island. Oh, okay. Until they, they make sure that there's not a living thing of any yeah, kind left there. of any there. kind left there. But yeah. it's, it's almost close to an atomic bomb. They're just carpet yeah. bombing it. Yeah, you don't want to do too much radiation, though, because what you don't want is then... Godzilla. 25 years <laughs> later, having exactly radioactive right. dinosaurs, like a, like a... When you see, oh, the plants around Chernobyl are different than every other plant in the world, and it's like, great, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be a problem later. We know I'm the sure. story. We know how it ends. Yeah. Right. So, so that's yeah. Jurassic Park from 1993. It really does hold up. It does. I mean the the plot is. It's and, and there's a lot of stuff that does strain credulity, but yeah. the effects really go a long way to and just effects, be I, like, no, 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 it's okay. They're dinosaurs. Look. Right. Look, they're Stan, right here and they're breathing. Stan Winston's, he worked with Spielberg because, again, Spielberg likes full-size props. Yeah. Like he did in Jaws. But he was very concerned about using um, full-size props because of what happened during De Laurentiis' King Kong. Yeah. When they made an entire full-size prop of King Kong that barely worked. Kept right. not functioning. Because too heavy? Well, it was too heavy. Yeah. And they didn't give them enough time. Oh well, that's also yeah, um, always going to be an issue. And they 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 really did not do such a great job with the, the promoting it. Anyhow, so the um, the Tyrannosaurus Rex was they saw he I think he saw it at one fourth scale or something originally, and the plan was to use full size props and stop motion animated dinosaurs. In the interim, the, uh-huh. the long shots where you had to see the entire body of the dinosaur. But, and Phil Tippett was called in to do that, who we, I know, he's a nice guy. The dinosaur, uh, uh, at some point, Dennis Murin, who was the, uh, the, who had the, the bid at I, or not the bid, who had the contract to do the special effects anyhow at ILM, contacted uh, Spielberg saying, Would you like to try for a computer generated graphic? And he started with the Gallimimus scene. That was the first okay. all CGI characters that uh, were on screen. And when he saw that, he uh, he told Phil Tippett, he said, I didn't want to tell him that this is the way that we're going to go with the movie. 
But what he discovered was that Tippett at first took the knees really badly because it's like, oh, we're being replaced. Again, right. I'm going to become extinct, mm-hmm. um, which was a line in the movie. But then yeah. discovered that the computer designers had no idea how to make the animals actually look like they're alive. And Tippett yeah. did. Yeah. That's the thing. I think for mm-hmm. me, right. CGI works best in tandem right. with... If we're talking about living creatures specifically, in tandem with practical effects. And for me, because I think this is about 90% practical, 10% CGI. And it just, it's flaw. it still looks flawless. Well, yeah. There's nothing in this that looks like a cartoon walking through a movie. Which is what all the sci-fi stuff looks like. Because it's a cartoon walking through a movie. Where Tippett actually was sitting here with, he said with a mouse trying to get it to, and he's like, this is not working for me. I don't know how to tell your guys how to animate. And so they built him a maquette like he's used to with all sorts of sensors on it so right. that he could animate it like he was animated in a puppet. That, yeah, there you go. And then... Yeah, I don't know the, which right. button to push to make this... Yeah. Right. Between yeah. the technologies, he had the artist who works with his hands connected to the other artist who's able to do the shading. Who's the like, okay, I can see what right. you mean and now I can make that happen on the computer, right? And so one of the funnier things, which is a story I just heard today, was at one point during the making of this film, because a lot of these people, Dennis Buren and Phil Tip, they know Mr. Harryhausen, yeah. Mr. Harryhausen. Yeah. Uh, they hung around his house when they were teenagers. And he just, you know, showed off his maquettes to them and everything. Oh, so funny. Um, but Harryhausen, Spielberg tells a story about it. It's like, yeah, he said he wanted to come see what we were doing. Because he heard we were doing a dinosaur movie. And so he goes, and it's. It's something for him to admit. It's like, I was nervous as hell because this is Ray Harryhausen. And he goes, uh, the nicest thing he did was we showed him what we were doing. We showed him some of the full-size props and everything. He was very impressed because it is just really impressive. It's an actual Tyrannosaurus-sized Tyrannosaur. Right. But he goes, when we showed him the first... No, I know. I've seen it. Right. Because where it is now Mm -hmm. is in the Jurassic... Well... I don't know now. I haven't been to Universal Studios in about two decades. But where it was then, there's a water ride, Jurassic Park water ride, where they use a lot of the actual things from the movie because they're done with them now. Um, And you go through this thing and you go up this thing. And then at the top of this click, 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 where there's fire and everything, Mm -hmm. is the T-Rex. And you kind of go up towards it and then you drop. There's a water drop Uh basically between its legs. But it's massive. Yeah. And so he said, yeah, it was really impre- he was impressed with that. So Spielberg shows him the first computer-generated shots of the Tyrannosaurus, which were later on part of what became the Gallimimus thing, where it's coming uh-huh. down. And he said to Harry Hausen, looked at it, and he goes, oh, there's the future. And he felt very vindicated that he was going this far. And he goes, yeah, I had a couple of hours talking to him about how great King Kong was, the original film. And how that inspired us. And then when he just gave him, like, his blessing, this is the way that things are going now. And Harry, and he mentioned it, this documentary, Harryhausen talks about not everyone's suited for animation and it shouldn't die out in any in, altogether yeah. because there are just people who lack the patience and the ability to, to do it. And he was really happy that Phil Tippett had found a way to combine both arts yeah. together. And I think it worked. And that's why 30 years later, right. you can watch it. We could watch it on a big screen. We could watch it in a movie theater and it would still look right. great. 
which is not true about a lot of no, things. and uh, even... Including things that are as expensive and right. new as the latest Avatar movie. Right. I think, to me, and, and this is maybe prejudicial on my part, the best CGI I've seen was really in the Godzilla films recently, and mm. mostly because you have no idea what they're supposed to look like. Right, this isn't a real thing. Right. It's not, I don't know. But what... they're also very good in those movies with the physics. Right. A heavy thing moves like a heavy thing. Exactly. Which is the big problem with a lot of CGI. It just sort of floats around like it a just big floats... balloon. Yeah, exactly. And I remember watching, as, as really interesting as Peter Jackson's King Kong was, he's leaping and jumping. And I'm going, how, how, what kind of muscles do you have Yeah. to move a body that big? That big, yeah. And at the same time, you're trying to make it as realistic as possible, but you, this is not... So like I said, the Godzilla films, it's something that's impossibly big being impossibly big, but at the same time, you're paying attention to it and the way it's moving and the way it's not moving like it's uh, floating around and stuff like that. So, I, I yeah, I, I like the film more now, I think. The suspense scenes work really well. I would 100% say this is probably one of the most thrilling films we've seen in terms of purely of thrills. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's pretty nonstop from... Right. Different kinds of thrills, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's there's a reason it's so far up on the list, right? I guess. Yeah, I can't imagine what it must have been like to see this in a theater, but uh, yeah, I was. I I want to tell you if if we if there is thirtieth anniversary showings, which right. wouldn't surprise me, that would be this year. Um, we should go see it in yeah. the, in, on a big screen. I'd watch it again. It's fun. Like, it's a fun watch, too. Yeah. And you get to see Sam Jackson say, hold on to your butts. <laughs> is it Which fun? is, like, such a fucking good line. All right. So next week, we're going to watch something... Completely different. Completely different. Another kind of monster, though. Totally different kind of monster. And that monster's name is Robert Mitchum. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be watching Night of the Hunter from 1955. Um, but until we do that, do you have anything you want to recommend to our, our lovely listeners? Okay. I uh, I saw recently a, and this again is something that I'm coming to late. Ooh. Um, a Secret of Crixley Hall. It's like the whole. Crickley Hall. Crickley? Secret? Okay, you're going to have to send. Okay. I'm going to go. Secret? S- the Secret of Crickley Hall. Crickley Hall. Okay. It's a book? It is a television series. It is it's a currently series. on Amazon. <laughs> gotcha. From 2012, so it is a bit late. It's based on uh, a novel by James Herbert. Okay. Who is a fantasy writer, not Frank Herbert, the science fiction writer. Hey, this has Tom Ellis in it. Right. He's Lucifer. This is pre-Lucifer Lucifer. Lucifer. Yes. (laughs) And it also has a number of other actors I I really do like. Uh, Saran Jones, who I'm... Probably saying her name entirely wrong. Uh, yeah, Ian DeCastiker. De, right. Uh, from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, uh, I like Jones him a lot. <laughs> was uh, Gentleman Jack in something else I recommended. And oh, yeah, Olivia Cook, who we right. affectionately Snuffles. refer to as Snuffles, <laughs> and Maisie Williams, who is a demon with a sword. Right. She'll poke you. <laughs> This, uh, it's a ghost story. Okay. About, and it takes place on a parallel timeline. 
It's both. three episodes long? Right. Okay, because I'm like, all of these people are in three episodes. Does that mean there are three episodes? Right. It, it takes oh. place. It's a, a family, and the story starts with a tragedy. The, the family, uh, there's no giving, this part is not giving anything away, really, in that it starts with a, a family with three children, and they lose one of the children. Okay. And then move to the countryside uh, for a job that the husband's going to do, and the wife is going to recover, and then she starts speaking to ghosts. Turns out, Oops, they did The Shining. <laughs> well, it turns out it was part of an orphanage. Um, it's never a good sign. And, and not where you want to go if you've lost a child. The That's going to have a lot of babies that are ghosts right, now. Right, <laughs> there was a, a number of children there that drowned during an accident. And you turn out, maybe it wasn't an accident. There's good a, t- good tagline, they came to escape the past. The past had other ideas. Right. <laughs> and so the parallel timeline involves Saran Jones and Tom Ellis in the present and Olivia Ma- a Cook and uh, Ian, that name. The Castigar. Yes, in the past. It's got a lot more letters than that, right. but that is the, that I believe that is the pronunciation. But, uh, but yes, and they uh, occasionally, David Warner's in it, who we saw in The Omen, um, and occasionally, it just they, they converge. They the past and the present keep crossing paths in this interesting. story. This and it's interesting. It's based on the James Herbert novel. James Herbert is a, a very he's probably more famous. He's one of those writers who's probably more famous in England than he is here. It's sort of like R. Chetwin Hayes. So it looks like it's about three hours long. They just decided not to do a movie. They decided right. to make it a miniseries instead. Um, and and so I looked at James Herbert up. He's actually popular enough with horror writers. As a matter of fact, Stephen King uh, is very fond of him and says it's, you know, his writing style, sort of like what we were saying for Michael Crichton, is that it's, uh, he compared Herbert's writing style to a young Mike Tyson. Less technique, more just go in there and just keep punching. Gotcha. I've got a cool story. Right. I may not have the the gusto to get it across with absolute grace and but I'm going to give you a cool story. Right. And apparently, as time went on, he was able to develop more of a skill set. That happens. That makes sense. If you're serious about it, it makes sense. Um, well, yeah. If you're right. get published and get paid and you can get serious about it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Well, that's my problem with Lovecraft. He never changed. <laughs> but anyhow. Um, no, but people like his writing style. Uh, I don't know who those people me, are. Right. Not, not for his me. writing style. No, I, his ideas are interesting. Just not. I, I still have issues with him. But anyhow, well, so, he's also horribly he's racist and uh, misogynistic. Yeah, right. But anyhow, uh, so I saw this. I really appreciated it. I liked. I like a ghost story, of course. And this had a really good combination of characters and plot and good performances too. This is a really first-rate cast who are able to carry out their parts with conviction. So, I would recommend that. Okay, awesome. What would you recommend? I don't have a recommendation. Oh. I drove for six or for like nine hours this last weekend. I uh, I, I haven't watched anything. Um, I second that. I'm gonna maybe look at that. Um, and let me think about. Yeah, no, I don't have another recommendation. But here's my promise. I will watch something before we next record, and then I will have a recommendation. Oh, by the way, very quickly. Yes. Mary Higby Schweitzer. 
I must mention her every time we mention anything about dinosaurs. Who's that? She is the woman who proved through testing the uh, a specimen that had active DNA, well, not active DNA, uh, a Tyrannosaurus specimen that dinosaurs are directly related to birds. Oh, she did it. It was a she lady. It. it was a woman. Any born again Christian, for us. believe it or not. <laughs> so she had everything that when she first made this discovery, it was really attributed to James Horner. Is it James Horner? Um, I'm sorry. Let me mention that. Uh, go over that again. Just giving me things to edit out. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, yes, it was. Uh, some of her uh, discovery was originally attributed to male colleagues. Uh, but she had, because she had a background in radiology, actually proved that dinosaurs are directly related to birds and made us one step closer because she found these DNA markers inside of a Tyrannosaurus fossil to an actual Jurassic Park. It could happen. How about we don't, though? Yeah, how about we don't? Uh, the scientists were so busy thinking about I'm, whether they could, they right. didn't stop and think about whether they should. And I here's love the thing: Rex. they shouldn't. I love him; he's wonderful. Them, but I, I don't need to see them. No, in my lifetime. No, make a little, make a little one. Well, that's it. The idea was to inject them full. Of, you know, it, make them out of a chicken. Out of a chicken, and what's really weird. Eight or six years before Jurassic Park was released, there was an almost identical plot for a novel oh, yeah. by James Brosnan, whose book is right here behind us. And he wrote a novel about people, uh, it's called Carnosaur, about a rich landowner in England who raises dinosaurs on his private farm and uses chicken DNA in that case. And... And this is before they got, they actually cloned anything. Right. So in, in the world of this movie, they had not cloned anything. Well... They haven't cloned an entire animal. Right. Dolly was born in uh, 1996. Dolly the sheep. Right. We all remember, right? They cloned a sheep. And you know what happened? It was born as a baby. It wasn't born as (laughs) a a whole full-grown thing. Uh, Yes. All right. So next... Next time is... Night of the Hunter. Robert Mitchum is so scary. And it's the only film, sadly, that Charles Lott never directed. Really? Yes. I like Charles Lawton. We won't see him, though. He's not in it? No, he's not. Not even as like a Hitchcockian... No. Look at my... Look at my silhouette, but I'm not really even in the movie. The great pity is that he was so discouraged by the reviews for this film that he never directed again, and this film's a freaking masterpiece. Oh, it's one of these not-loved-in-its-time found late... Wow. That's a shame, because this movie is real good. Right. It does make you never want to have a drink with Robert Mitchum, and I think I would love to have a drink with Robert, have had a drink with Robert Mitchum. Fuck that! I want to share a joint with Robert Mitchum. Right. But like, he's so scary in this. Okay, so we'll talk about that next week. Until then, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail dot com. You can find us on Twitter for as long as it lasts. Mm-hmm. Although Tucker Carlson's about to start his new show on Twitter, so. Maybe won't last that much longer. Uh, and uh, we're on Facebook, of course, because we're a million years old. I want to remind you to please, please take your medicine. And we'd like to remind you, better late, late than, than never. never.